This is a Federal News Network podcast. We welcome Federal News Network's Jason Miller with breaking news on a big Defense Department cloud computing deal. Jason joins me now in studio. Jason, what do you have? We've learned that the Defense Information Systems Agency is letting the MilCloud 2 platform, which provides cloud services to the military services and defense agencies, expire in June 2022, so in about seven months. Now, what Federal News Radio has obtained is a note that DISA sent to Congress, Senate and House Armed Services Committee, saying they've decided not to pick up the third option period on its contract with General Dynamics IT, GDIT, which was set to start in early June of 2022. Now, Tom, just as a quick reminder, this awarded a contract to CSRA. CSRA got bought by GDIT. It was a three-year base with five one-year options. It was worth about $500 million over that time period. This is one of those option periods that they're not picking up. And this is a major change for how DOD and DISA specifically helps their services and agencies go to the cloud. Then what does that mean for all of the using agencies in DOD that have lots of stuff in MillCloud 2? They've got seven months to do what? They have seven months, and there's a lot in the MillCloud 2.0. Now, Tom, I know th- these figures and facts are a little old, but but this is back from March when we did a, the DoD Cloud Exchange. And at the time, MillCloud 2.0 had more than 4,500 workloads. 89 different defense mission partners were using MillCloud 2.0. They now have seven months to figure out, okay, what happens next? Now, just because they're letting the contract expire may not mean they're just going to turn it off because it's not like a light switch. But these 89 different mission partners have to figure out how to move their workloads to a different cloud. Do they bring it internally? Do they use the new JWCC, Joint Warfighter Cloud, capability? And I think that's where DIS is trying to point them to by moving away from MillCloud 2.0. They're going to say, hey, JWCC should be ready. It should be hopefully an easy move because under MillCloud 2, you have AWS, you have Microsoft Azure. Under JWCC, you'll have at least AWS and Microsoft Azure, along with Google and Oracle. Is there any way that they can continue with the prime cloud providers, those three major cloud providers, without the contractor they have on a front end, so somehow to save all those extraction costs? That's unclear right now about how this extraction will work, because there's always cost to move from one cloud to the other. We know that. We've seen that time and again. But the systems integrator actually plays a really important role. Sure. And I think that's the bigger story here. And Tom, I'll just give you a little bit of a teaser. That's another story I'm working on for early in the new year. DISA and systems integrators, is that a, if you will, a breakup in the works? Yeah. So, right. So DISA has a mission and it's made a commitment 10 years now for cloud providing. And now they are arguing with their prime contractors, and they're leaving some users potentially in the lurch, basically. I think the, the what, what's unclear is what this really does mean for the military services and defense agencies. They will have to move. When will they have to move? How will they have to move? Who's going to pay for that move? I mean, a lot of these budgets are, are set for 2022 and 2023. Remember, DOD does these four, you know, five-year budgets, they think about, okay, we want to be here in five years. How do we start requesting the money? Is there money or extra money in the budget to pay for these moves or will DISA pay for these moves? It's, it's unclear right now. We are still waiting for more information about what sure. the end of MillCloud 2.0 really does mean. And have you been able to reach GDIT, the prime contractor here that's kind of losing out? 
I got a comment from one of their spokespeople, and of course, Tom, I have to be honest, the comment was a little vanilla. They said, obviously, they they celebrated the work on MillCloud 2.0. They've met all their contractual requirements. They've enhanced the capabilities under MillCloud 2.0. They really believe they've really done their job, and they're obviously willing to continue to support DISA and their DoD customers going forward. But what does this mean for them? How What, what their next steps are? It's That's a little bit unclear. And, and I think that's really what the message here is. DISA has made a decision. What comes next is something we will continue to report on and continue to try to help DoD and others figure out. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Tom. Be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy. with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm. I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but. Uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual. 
and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <clears throat> um, 
During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.